So the Holy Spirit is given to us to enlighten us, to guide us, to show us the way. As a Christ follower, when you are at a crossroads, God's intent is that you cry out to Him and the Holy Spirit of God in you confirms yes. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Christ follower is since you have the Spirit of God at work in us, you don't have to wonder, what am I going to do? You've got access to the one who enlightens you. Listen to John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I've said to you. So when you're struggling in your faith, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to you to enlighten you, to turn the light on and to say, hey, here's what I'm doing here. You ever need guidance in your life? You ever need wisdom? You ever have those times where you think, I don't know what to do? John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. I I wish, most of us wish, God would just always write it on a big billboard for us. Or send us a text message, hey, here's what I need you to do today. Doesn't work that way for me. I have to seek his will, and if I sense, if I have a peace about stepping forward, I step forward. I take that first step a little slowly, and if I continue to have a peace, kind of getting God's pat on the back, not saying well done, but just saying go forward, and I step forward, and if I step forward and I don't have God's peace, I'm just telling you, I have a whoa, stop, don't do it, and that's when you stop. It's the guidance of the Holy Spirit residing in you. You don't have to have a billboard or a text minute message. You've got the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God also encourages us. You ever have down days, difficult moments, depressing and discouraging times? You look at life and you think, I don't think there's a way out. I don't know how I could go forward. I don't know what I could possibly do to make it through this situation, to get out of this scenario. Acts 9.31 says the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it multiplied. Uh, One of the translations says the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when Christ followers understand the gift they have from God, the Holy Spirit that's residing within them, And they walk in that encouragement. The church multiplies. Because remember that question I just asked you a while ago? Ever have those down, depressing, discouraging? When you have those days, guess what? The people around you know it. (laughs) We see it. Hello. Your faces are giving an advertisement. And so when we walk in the encouragement of the Spirit, People look at your life and they think, goodness, I know what he's going through. I know what she's facing. 
how are they doing that? How do they seem to be so encouraged? And you've got an open door to say, it's, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit of God in me. When you begin to do that, you begin to be a witness for His glory and the church multiplies. The Holy Spirit enlightens us. The Holy Spirit encourages us. But the Holy Spirit also energizes us. He gives us the power to do what we cannot do on our own. And I need that. Do you need that? Do you ever have those days to say, God, I've read Philippians 4.13. I've got the bumper sticker. My mama gave me a t-shirt for Christmas. I drink out of the coffee mug. I know it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I don't think I can do this. It's worse than that. Look at John 14.12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works that I do. And greater works than these he will do. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. That verse convicts me. Because I, I look at my life and I don't think I'm living like that. And yet that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not your power. It's His power. And his power is so great that he says, anything that is my will for you to do in your life, you can do it with the strength of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in your own strength. But you can do it in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Oswald Chambers puts it this way, we cannot do what God can do, and God will not do what we can do. Sometimes God is just saying, hey, you can handle this one. Get after it. church is people focused on a person that's Jesus the church is people empowered by one that's the Holy Spirit but the church is people who have a clear purpose for living you have a you have a clear purpose for living do you know your purpose have you figured that one out I, I'm always blown away that a Southern Baptist preacher from Southern California wrote a book, and it's become, aside from the Bible, the largest selling nonfiction book of all time. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. It's packed full of scripture. It's all about God's purpose for us. Have you discovered God's purpose in your life? Have you tapped into why he's left you here? Look at verse 6. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> Remember, he's been talking about the kingdom. Now they're ready. All right, is this it, Lord? Are you going to do what you do now? Is this the moment that we've all been waiting for? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I see this and I think about purpose and I'm just reminded it is so easy to get sidetracked. To get off purpose. 
I struggle with that in my individual life, just with my daily task. Do any of you? But we struggle with that in the church as well. These disciples, they, they kind of reflect how we think too often. Inept and ignorant. Acting like it's all about us. Jesus, when are you going to do this for me? God, when are you going to work things out for me? And I'm just telling you, there's so much in our world and even in the church culture that makes us think it's all about us. It is not. In fact, the first words in that book, The Purpose Driven Life, are these words. It's not about you. I think those are good first words because those really could have been the words Jesus looked at them when he said, hey, it's, it's not for you. It's not for you. How do you view your faith? How do you view church life? Do you feel like it's all about you? I've come that I can spend an hour and a half each week just being entertained, having you tickle my ears, as scripture would say, or, or make me feel good about myself. I had to wrestle with this as a young pastor. As I, I, for the first time in my life, was the leader of a church and pastoring a church where they expected me to get up each week and to have something to say from God's word. And I, I, I watched as some people would leave. And I would track them down. And why aren't you coming? Why did you leave? One of them looked me in the, the eyes. They said, when I go to church, I just want to feel good about myself. Can I just tell you, this is not meant as a barb or to, to, to decry any of the good things that may come from a variety of ministries, including this one. But, but that's why Joel Osteen's so popular. Because you can just listen to the message and feel good about yourself. That's, that's not bad, except that's not what the church is. Church is not about me. It's not about you. These disciples were struggling about timing. They understood the truth, but they didn't understand God's timing. Maybe you're there today. You're sidetracked on that. God, I, I know what your word says, but I don't understand why you're not doing this now in my life. It's possible to understand God's truth and not understand his timing. That's why what Jesus is saying here harkens back to what we learned on Easter Sunday. Remember the lesson? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Let's say that together. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now here's a pop quiz. For those of you that were here on Easter weekend, we studied 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul says this is of first importance. What was the this? What's the main thing? The gospel. The good news. Guess what? Jesus is saying the same thing. That's where Paul got it from. The main thing is that you were to be my witnesses. You were to share the good news. We get sidetracked wanting to know all the details of everything that's not worked out in our life. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, just don't forget the main thing. Just learn to stay focused. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? 
it would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. I want you to see something as we begin to land this plane. The power that we just talked about in the previous verses, we find out here is given to us for a strategic purpose. The power is given for a purpose. Do you get that? The power of the Holy Spirit is given to us not as a genie in the bottle. The power of the Holy Spirit to us is given for the purpose of being his marturo. The Greek word for witness. The word from which we get the word martyr. One who avows to what they have seen and experienced. That word is 29 times in the book of Acts. And it literally means one who avows at any cost. So when I really want to see what kind of people are the church, I begin to look for people whose faith is costing them something. And I would say to you, as I read scripture, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, I promise, it's not me. But as I read scripture, if your faith journey is not costing you something, it's hard to identify that with the faith journey outlined in scripture. We, we read last week about the hundreds of Christians that were killed in Sri Lanka. But the news, because of that, didn't even cover that on Easter weekend, another 40 plus Christians lost their lives to terrorists at church in Nigeria. More people are giving their life for their faith today than ever before in human history. And and we really worry about silly things about how we feel in church. What is your faith costing you? I'm not sure we ever experienced the power that Jesus was talking about. You have the power to do greater things than me if we've not paid the price of being his witnesses, whatever the cost. I don't want to embarrass him, but I regularly hear people say, I just wish I had a a prayer life like Zach. I wish I could pray and God would answer like Pastor Zach prays and God answers his prayer. Let me tell you something I think I've discovered, really just looking at it anew this week from this passage of Scripture. I don't describe Pastor Zach first as a prayer warrior. You know what I describe him first as? A witness. That man is a nutcase. He will witness to a tree if he bumps into it. And at least most of the branches will begin a relationship with Christ. I mean, it is crazy. I believe what this passage is teaching is that the power that you can experience through prayer is availed to you when you get to the place where you're becoming that witness who is testifying for Christ regardless of the cost in your life. Everywhere in the book of Acts, everybody you see is either a missionary testifying to the power of God at work in their lives or they're a mission field in need of God's power. And that's true here. You're either a missionary or you're a mission field. And so Jesus, he zeroes in and gives us a target. And that target becomes our concentric circles that tell us where we're to live on purpose. And first it begins with Jerusalem. What's our Jerusalem? It's Tampa Bay. 
you could zero it into your neighborhood or, or your little part of Tampa Bay. But Tampa Bay now in the whole region, over 3 million people. Tens of thousands of people moving here every year because it's on all these lists as being a great place to live. Top 10 of the fastest growing metro areas in the country. And yet it's 50 out of 51 when they studied worship attendance in the metropolitan areas. Used to be known as the Bay of the Holy Spirit. Now it is known as a place where people come to for sexual tourism. That's our Jerusalem. Plenty of work to do. I could continue there, but then Jesus gives us Judea. And you could look at Judea in different ways. But just think about Judea as Florida. And people are moving to Florida by the millions. I don't know if they want to meet Mickey and Minnie or what. My friend Jay Strike puts it this way. People look at their lives and they're depressed and discouraged. So they load up their U-Hauls and they move down to Florida. What they don't understand is all their problems jump in the back of those U-Hauls and move there with them. That's our Judea. Then you got Samaria. Samaria could be called North America, Canada, U.S., Mexico. You know, by some studies, there are as many unreached, unengaged people groups in North America as anywhere in the world. That's our Samaria. Then you got the end of the earth. What's the end of the earth? The rest of the world. This figure baffles me. A lot of people study this. I'm not sure how they come up with all the numbers. But as of this morning, the most recent number for the unreached people groups in the world is 7,098. And unfortunately, that number has stopped going down as fast because we're discovering more and more people are unreached. Because how they define an unreached people group is if no more than 2% of that people group has a, has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're losing the battle in some ways, even though we've won the war. Because we're not living our lives on purpose. So I just want you to think about something. Before you can go to the ends of the earth, you need to think about your Jerusalem. Who has God put in your neighborhood? Who has God put in your family? Who's living around you that God's saying, this is your purpose right here in your little corner of the world? You can say it this way, who's your one? We touched about 2,000 people last weekend for Easter weekend. What if 2,000 people began to say, hey, for the next six months, I'm just going to pray for one person and, and look for intentional opportunities to build a relationship with them and show them the love of Christ. Who's your one? church is a people focused on a person. That's Jesus. The church is people empowered by the Holy Spirit. The church is people who have a clear purpose for living. But let me just tell you, this ends with good news. The church is people who have a promise worth dying for. So you got an interesting thing. Look at verse 9. When he, that's Jesus, said these things, they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, He'll come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, again, Bible scholars, let me just ask you, what, is, what was the angel referring to when he said he will come again as he went into heaven? What is he saying? He's talking about the second coming of Christ. And he had to give them that promise because they were sitting there like this. 
a busy weekend for the Purvis Pack. Two of our guys were in a high school musical, and they did awesome. They are so good. One of my boys, in one of the scenes, the scene freezes. And so three different times, three different performances, for what felt like five or six minutes, he froze, and this was his posture. I said to him after the first one, how in the world did you do that? My jaw would be killing me. But that's how the disciples always were. Imagine them looking at the cross, and there they were. Then Jesus appears at the resurrection, and there they were. And now they've spent 40 days with him. He ascends back into heaven, and there they are. They didn't get it. So the angels come and say, hey, guys, stop gazing and get busy. Because Jesus is coming back. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament of the Bible refers in some way to the second coming of Christ. And yet I don't believe I know one of a hundred Christians that really live like they believe Jesus is coming back. My dear sweet mama, she's, I'm not going to tell you how old she is now, but she's getting up there. It's hard for me to have a serious conversation with her about faith where she doesn't say with tears in her eyes, son, I really believe Jesus is coming back before I die. I sat with one of my close friends, an elder in this church, just two weeks ago. And watch this older man, a mentor to me in the faith with tears in his eyes saying, I really believe. Jesus is coming soon. Christ follower, the, the promised return of Jesus, you know what that means to us? The promised return of Jesus, that gives us hope. That means this is not all there is. But the promised return of Jesus also gives us cause to hurry. See, the answer to us is the same answer the disciples received. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when that coming is. We just know he's coming. So Jesus said in John 9, 4, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming. Or Revelation twenty two twelve, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my, my recompense with me to repay each one. For what he has done. I love C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis has this to say about the coming of Christ. The greatest thing is to be found at one's post as a child of God. Living each day as though it were our last. But planning as though our world might last a hundred years. Oh friend. The church is people. Who've been giving a promise worth dying for. Well I want you to take this away today. The first part of what we're learning about church. Why we need to bother. Is the church is people. And some of you are thinking like that old. <laughs> little poem I heard years ago. To live above with the saints we love. Oh that will be a glory. But to stay below with the saints we know, now that's another story. Guess what? 
they all matter to him. The reason we bother is church. Because church is You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.